Hey, and welcome to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast. Uh, This is a place where we talk about the Bible, the women in the Bible, and how to apply it to our lives today. Um, Today we're going to be talking about what a Christian woman looks like. Stay tuned. First, I think it's only fair, as this is my first podcast, to introduce myself. My name is Grace Benteen. I'm a senior at Texas A&M, and I love the Lord. If you're wondering what kind of qualifications I have to run this blog or start a podcast that talks about God and the Bible, the truth is, I didn't really think I had any. But here's the kicker. God isn't known for using the perfect people. His son aside, of course. He uses the people who are willing to be available to him. He's even used quite a few who didn't want to be available. So this is me, Isaiah 6, 8 in it, and saying, here I am. And look, I know my podcast and everything says that this is for Christian women, and it is. But it's also for anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about God and what the heck Christianity even is. This is going to be a place of no judgment, only love. Also, if you're looking for something with a ton of filters, this might not be the best fit for you. I want to talk about real life with real women and a good dose of humor. Um, okay, so enough with that intro. Let's go ahead and get down to business. Today, I want to talk about what it means to be a Christian woman, what the Bible says we're supposed to look like. I think it's a good idea to look at what scripture says about us before we study in detail some of the many women from the Bible in later episodes. The two main pieces of scripture I'm pulling for this subject are going to be from Proverbs 31 and Galatians 5:22 through 23, and the translation I'm using is NIV. Proverbs 31 speaks directly about women, but Galatians applies to everyone, and honestly sums up good character pretty well. Galatians talks about what is called the fruit of the Spirit, which is just another way of saying that when someone is saved and has received the Holy Spirit, there are some qualities you can recognize them by. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And honestly, it's kind of hard to say that without sing song in it, like in Sunday school. Um, it's kind of an overwhelming list. But don't panic. The whole reason Jesus came to earth and died for us was because no human was perfect. And no human could ever be perfect. Even if someone was perfect, they'd become arrogant and thus not perfect. So if you look at this list and realize they aren't all your strength, that's okay. That's what Jesus was for. So I find it pretty interesting that the very first thing mentioned in this list of fruits is love. That's a noun you can find scattered throughout the whole Bible, but for me, I immediately think of 1 Corinthians 13. In that chapter, you can find a whole new list of what love is, and unsurprisingly, there's some overlap. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read the fruits of the Spirit and see love as being in that first place spot, I tend to want to check that off my list. I see that and think, love? Yeah, I'm loving. I love lots of things and lots of people, and I love God. But then when I compare what 1 Corinthians defines as love, I realize that I still have a long way to go. But this is where one of my favorite sayings comes in. Progress over perfection. We should be working towards becoming more like Jesus, not attempting to be perfect people. Okay, step two on that list. 
joy. In the NIV translation of the Bible, the word joy is mentioned 218 times. I mean, we do have a lot to be joyful about. Not only do we get to end up spending eternity in heaven, but in this life, even when things are bad, we have hope in what's to come. We have peace and comfort, and not to mention an open line of communication with the creator of the universe. If that last part trips you up for a second, I'm just talking about his word that comes in the form of our Bibles and the prayers that we get to pray. But joy isn't just for our own benefit. Okay, it's for the benefit of others around us too. And no, I don't just mean because we become fun people to be around, although sometimes we can be, but because joy is different from happiness. Happiness is fleeting. It comes in seasons. And that's because while we're here on earth, bad stuff happens. But joy is consistent. Even when we go through trials, we can consider them joy, as James uh, chapter 1, verse 2 puts it. People witness when others can go through the good and the bad and still hold on to joy, and it makes them ask questions. Acts thirteen forty seven says, For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Our joy is a light, and it has the ability to bring others closer to God. Okay, so I've already touched on the peace part, but that's personally one of my favorites. The world is enough to give anyone a heart attack, from the stress and anxiety of working hard every hour of the day, always feeling like you're running out of time, and sometimes it just feels like every possible thing that could go wrong is going wrong, and it's just panic. But just like Jesus can calm a storm, he can calm our minds, too. He promises to give us the strength we need to face anything this world can throw at us. And he tells us over and over again to not worry, to not be afraid. If you want a sense of peace, I suggest reading Matthew 6, 25 through 34, John 16, 33, John 14, 27, Isaiah 41, 10, and 1 Peter 5, 7. Those are my go-tos for when I'm stressed. Okay, we've reached patience. And I'd be lying if I said this was a strength of mine. I think patience and self-control go hand in hand. They also happen to be the characteristics that our world is in super short supply of. I'll speak for American culture when I say that we have a problem with instant gratification. We want to be the richest as soon as we start working, the skinniest as soon as we start dieting, and the happiest in love as soon as we decide we're done being single. I'm first to admit I'm the same way. But let's also take a second to put that into a spiritual context. Do you ever beat yourself up because you're not a perfect Christian yet? We read one chapter of our Bible, see a trait we want to work towards, and by the next day expect to just be a master in it. It's more than a little ironic when you're like me and you want to be patient starting right now. This is where progress over perfection comes into play again. We can't expect to become perfect Christians overnight any more than we can expect to become a millionaire or lose our muffin tops overnight. It's just a matter of every day waking up, praying for strength, and doing our best to be better than the day before. And hey, quick side note, progress is not linear, not in any venture you take, and it's the same spiritually. You're going to make mistakes, you're human, but I urge you from personal experience, don't try and hide from God. There are plenty of stories in the Bible that talk about how that does not work and instead run as quickly as you can back into his arms. That's our safe place. Okay, time to hit up kindness. Kindness is simple, and for me, summed up when Jesus says, do unto others as you would have them do to you. That's Matthew 7, 12. Okay, it's the golden rule, right? Well, it can be a lot harder than it sounds. And why is that? Because others, 
is a big category. Kind of huge, actually. It means every living person outside of yourself. The people you love, the people that bully you, the people that are mean to your friends. Let me tell you, that last one will trip me up. Now, I don't have time in today's episode to really dig into all of this, but the most important thing to note is that kindness can't be faked. You can be nice and not mean it at all, but to be kind isn't an act. To be kind is to genuinely love the person you're approaching, regardless of who they are. Okay, here's a good one. Goodness. Yeah, I know. That was lame. But the Hebrew word for goodness means grace, charity, mercy. At first glance, I know that sounds a lot like kindness, but since they are separated in this verse, we know that they must have unique meanings. If we take a quick look at the Greek word for goodness, we find that it means of uprightness of heart and life. Here's how I look at it. When we act out of the goodness of our hearts and lives, we produce kindness. All right, Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faithfulness involves trusting and being loyal to God. But for as long as the world has been spinning, humans have kind of sucked at it. In fact, that's pretty much the story of the entire Old Testament. They loved and trusted in their idols and themselves more than they put their faith in God. Look around the world today and you'll see we aren't any different. If you're thinking that you don't have any golden calves or statues that you worship and therefore think you don't have any idols, I have got some unfortunate news for you. What fills up your headspace more throughout the day than God? Is it money, work, your boyfriend, your organizations, grades, beauty? And beauty can be insecurities or things that you're super confident and over braggy about. Like that goes both ways. Okay, well, guess what? Those are your idols. I hope you don't feel too called out here because trust me, everyone has their idols. This is another term we can categorize under a work in progress. If I could give you one application tip for today, it would just be to find ways to remind yourself to think about God more often throughout the day. Have a Bible verse sticky noted either in your car or in your bathroom mirror where you can see it. Get a daily devotional that literally takes one minute to read each night. Choose worship music when you can't figure out what genre you're in the mood for. Our souls are hungry for God. And whenever you feel empty, it's likely you just haven't been feeding that need. Also, a huge bonus to being faithful to God and keeping your mind on Him, all the other fruits of the Spirit start to come a lot more naturally. All right, we've reached the last fruit I have yet to mention. Gentleness, I think, gets a bad reputation. We've made a mistake as a society and associate gentleness with weakness, and I'd like to clarify that these are two very different things. Gentleness requires a ton of self-control and strength. To be gentle, we can't be prideful or think of ourselves as better than the people around us. It involves humility. I heard once somewhere that gentleness is courage without violence, strength without harshness, and love without anger. Gentleness is often viewed as a feminine strength, and we're going to talk about it in Proverbs, but I think it's important to realize that it is a characteristic of both the ideal Christian woman and the ideal Christian man. Okay, now that we've covered all the fruits of the Spirit, let's go ahead and read Proverbs 31. It's a long one, so hang on for a second. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. 
She gets up while it is still night, and she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hands, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchants with sashes. She's clothed in strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with words of wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her work bring her praise at the city gate. Okay, this is a lot of information, and we're not going to have time to unpack all of it, but let's look into some of the main concepts. Now, I know that this passage is talking about a wife and mother, but the traits she possesses are applicable to women in every season of life. I think that the first thing to notice is that this lady's one tough cookie. I mean, arms are strong for her tasks. Okay, she isn't afraid of hard work. She's built up the muscle to take care of what needs to be done. She isn't afraid to get her hands dirty physically and spiritually. One minute she's running a vineyard and getting that bread, and the next she's giving bread to the poor. Yeah, I know. Yet again, lame joke. But look, this is something that I think is really cool. We're looking at a piece of scripture talking about a blessed and godly woman, a woman of noble character. Are her best features her looks? No. In fact, it points out that all that stuff fades away. She's got value because she's intelligent, dependable, willing to work her butt off, strong and generous. But most importantly, she fears the Lord. One thing that's so great about Proverbs 31, and why a lot of people use this passage to teach about biblical women, is because it's so easy to apply what the scripture says here to our own lives. For instance, in verse 13, it says that she works with eager hands. How often can we say that about ourselves? I don't know about all of you, but one of my biggest downfalls is that my natural tendency is to be as lazy as possible. But this passage says that she does not eat the bread of idleness. And as Christians, we shouldn't either. And no, that doesn't mean being so busy that you can't breathe. Okay, sometimes that's an important thing to learn. You know, if you're running at full speed 100% of the time, you're never going to be able to stop and walk alongside someone who needs it. A good friend of mine calls it walking at three miles per hour. Okay, so what's what's the balance? What is the in-between of not doing enough and doing too much that you stop being able to do good? Let me tell you, I don't have that balance yet. Just like with everything else, I'm working on it. Instead of watching that Netflix episode, research some volunteer opportunities in your area. Odds are your local church or churches have ton of opportunities. Instead of scrolling through social media and liking your friend's photos, reach out and ask them how they're really doing. We don't have to shove religion down anyone's throats or run ourselves until we don't have any gas. I'll paraphrase Bob Goff poorly, I might add, when I say it's not our job to bring others to God. It's our job to love people and be a light, and Jesus takes care of the rest. At the beginning of the passage, I mentioned that her husband has full confidence in her. 
Now, number one, that's a good husband, and you should take notes. But number two, she's earned that trust. This is what I meant when I said that she's dependable. Are you dependable? You know, when you say you're going to do something, do your actions line up? When you make goals, do you work towards them? Outside of that, is your character dependable? Is it consistent? It can be hard enough to be the kind of person who does what they say they will. But sometimes we'll find ourselves in a trap of acting differently depending on who we're around. So is who you are dependable, regardless of who you're with? Okay, and I can't skip generosity. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. This is another idea of that gentleness I was thinking about, right? It's the putting others before yourself. It's humility. Okay, think back to the fruit of the spirit. This is kindness and goodness and gentleness. And because she fears the Lord, that's faithfulness. Because he calls us to do exactly that. I know that not all of us have the resources to be what we would usually consider as generous. But, I mean, do you have time? Do you have a house to invite friends into? Can you share a meal with someone who's in need of love and attention? Generosity isn't just giving money out to those who need it. Although, if you have the opportunity to do so, that's awesome. Generosity, though, I mean, is gifting time to the person who you can tell needs someone to talk to. It's gifting a ride to the grocery store to someone who doesn't have a car right now. It's gifting emotional currency to people who need a shoulder to cry on. Because, let's face it, that's not something that comes naturally to everyone. If you have a short emotional limit and you choose to let someone rant you about their problems and give them love and encouragement... That, my friend, is generosity. Lastly, I just want to touch on the verse that says in NIV, she can laugh at the days to come. In other translations, it says she can laugh without fear of the future. And truthfully, I love that a lot more. She has that other fruit of the spirit we talked about. She has peace. She isn't afraid of what tomorrow might hold because she knows God's got her. I hope that you feel that way too. Remember what I said about reading Matthew 6? 25 through 34, because that whole passage is titled, Do Not Worry. God's got us. All right. Well, thanks for sticking around while we talked about what a Christian woman is supposed to look like. Next week, we're going to start talking about the different women of the Bible. First one up is going to be Eve. So hope to see you then. And if you have any questions about my content or any questions about God, women, the Bible in general, I would love to do my best to answer any that you have. So reach out. I'm here for you. And if you haven't heard it today, God loves you and I love you. You are important, you have worth, and you have a purpose. Okay. Signing off. Bye.